Well, holy shit, I actually managed to do it. After procrastinating for ages, I finally managed to produce an audiobook version of the Lunatic Fringe book. It's currently available on all Amazon sites, audible.com, and shortly on iTunes. And if you're the page-turning type, it's also, of course, still available in Kindle form, paperback, and uh, hardback on Amazon. Ten hours and ten years worth of Blue Skies Magazine's articles, all available to you right fucking now, including a few author's notes and even an apology or two. Enjoy. In a world... Mate, hold up. We said we're done with the serious intros. Who's it? Well, we did. I don't remember that. Well, I said it, and you're me, so, you know. Well, I don't care. In a world... Uh, hey, I told you. We're keeping it light. You do it on your own, then. Well, technically, I already am, so... Anyway, fuck yeah, pure wild flight. Get it down, ya. How good? Visit nzaerosports.com. I get to do the next one. Well, obviously, you moron, we both do. Of course. I absolutely love the NZ Aerosports business model. I mean, come on. One glance at an Icarus fuck yeah sticker and you know it lines up perfectly with the fucking pilot mentality. But outside their wonderful use of colorful language and a great company vibe, there's a long list of reasons to say NZ Aerosports fuck yeah. NZ Aerosports blows me away right out of the gate as a canopy manufacturer with a bold offer. They give you 10 jumps on your brand new nylon to decide if you want to keep it swap it out, or even return it for a refund. I mean, seriously, how incredible is that? That's like getting halfway through a prom and deciding you prefer the slightly racier date that goes down faster. Seriously, they do that. If you're not madly in love with your new canopy after 10 jumps, they'll let you swap it out for another size or model, or even get your money back. And the range of canopies they've got? Man, they've got a style canopy to fit every jumper and every situation with models you know and trust like the Sapphire 3, the perfect choice for the beginner or intermediate canopy pilot, the Crossfire 3 when you're ready to kick it up that elliptical notch, the JFX 2 if you're looking to up your new swoop game, the Leia as the workhorse and dirt water dirt beast, or the Petra. The Petra cranks out crazy power and is nothing short of a record breaker. But hey, it's not always about speed either. Take the Kraken. Built as a low pack volume canopy specifically with wingsuiting in mind, she gives you all the performance you're looking for with the reliability you need that'll have you itching for that next formation, rodeo, or puffy cloud. So, the equipment is top-of-the-line kick-ass stuff, as you already know, but how about the team? Well, the customer service gang is there to sort you out whenever you need them. Maddie and Beto are always there to help with Jen holding the reins. They're available for you at sales at nzaerosports.com, and they've got a kick-ass live chat tool on the website if you're wanting to hit someone up right away. These are the crew you're going to want to talk to to get those custom orders in. With the stock nylon, once you know what you want, they'll have that shit on a FedEx truck as soon as the credit card machine says approved and get you in the air in no time. For your custom orders, you'll be able to get a time frame for building and shipping when you design it, so get to it. And demos. They've got demos in the U.S. available from their partner Rock Sky Market. 
The whole U.S. demo fleet is there with Sapphire 3, Crossfire 3, Kraken, JFX2, and Leia canopies in a range of sizes. They also offer student and tandem demos in the U.S. Bottom line, every step of the way, NZ Aerosports is there to get you what you need, and I personally couldn't be happier to be teamed up with them here on Lunatic Fringe. And now, time to get started with Lunatic Fringe Into the Void, brought to you proudly by NZ Aerosports. Fuck yeah! Coming straight from the cockpit, it's another episode of Lunatic Fringe with the fucking pilot. Ready, set, go! Back in the can for another edition of Lunatic Fringe Into the Void, and I'm liking this one right here. Let's Hello. get it started correctly. Cheers. Salute. Salute. Who the fuck are you? Uh, what do you do? My name is Jocelyn Renee Villavicencio. Holy shit, say that again. Jocelyn Renee Villavicencio. 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 Spanish? Nicaragüense. Okay. Well, Depends on how you want to say it. If I'm lazy, Villavicencio. Well, that's how I'm going to say it. Perfect. All right, cool. And I'm going to have to have you spell that for me when I write up the light, the write-up for the podcast. That's the only reason I'm good at spelling is because, because I name? had to learn how to spell that. Okay. So we've got your name down. Mm-hmm. What do you do? Um, I am a human. <laughs> <laughs> I live. I learn. I make mistakes. I love. Fair enough. Um, but I am a skydiver. And that it's was... pretty cool. Uh, you just pointed out, actually, that this is more than 200 episodes, and that is probably the most generalized question I could ever ask a person is, who are you and what do you do? Yeah, I breathe. Right? So good for you. Kind of fuck you, actually, for pointing <laughs> that out after this much time. By the way, uh, I, I will uh, apologize in advance. This is literally my second podcast in a row, uh, uh, uh. and there was a lot of wine drunk on the first one. So I'm going to try and behave myself, but I have had a lot of wine, so. Go for it. I'm, I'm just happy to be here, man. <laughs> <coughs> cool. All right. So you jump out of airplanes. Um, you uh, um, are a human. You're alive and breathing. How'd you get started in stuff like jumping out of airplanes? Or was it something other than skydiving that was an extreme entrance into your life? I was not an extreme person prior to skydiving. Okay. I did a lot of things. I had a lot of dreams and thoughts and imagination about a lot of things, but I didn't know how to pursue them. Okay. Skydiving was random and it changed my life. Random as in it was something that you'd never thought about, just kind of came up? Yes. Random tandem, hook, line, and sinker. Nice. You know the story. How'd it come about? A really good friend of mine, Maggie Chavez, um, asked me to go for a tandem, like super small town, and invited me to go. At the time, I was like, yeah, whatever. I was working in casual fine dining as a server, and I was making good cash. And I was like, yeah, sure, I'll pay $160 for that. <laughs> right. Because we got the local discount because we were in the small town. Okay. Didn't put any thought into it. I was just kind of like, yeah, whatever, cool. But my soul needed something at that point. And prior to that, I was asking the universe for something because I was lost in a different way. And we were in X-Ray, the 182 at NorCal Skydiving. And I remember sitting there even before we, like, taxied to the runway and thinking, like, huh, I wouldn't be surprised if I tried to do this for the rest of my life. (laughs) And under canopy with Eric Dunn, who was my TI, like, I teared up because I was so fucking happy and grateful. Sure. And it was one of the coolest things in my life. Nice. Um. 
And the fact that it was completely random makes it more special, doesn't it? Yes. That you're just like, yeah, yeah sure. Why not? I'll yeah. try that. I straight up teared up under canopy. Like, I'm an emotional, like, I'm a happy emotional crier. Sure, sure. <laughs> and that definitely invigorated that. It's uh, it, it's always, um, especially as I get older, it happens more often. But it's amazing to look back and see those little linchpin moments in life where you're like, that's where a, a corner turned. That's where something changed. If that hadn't happened, I wouldn't have been on this path. And I know that if you want to get real deep into it, that's every moment of every day. But there are those very specific choices that you make that just put you on a different trajectory altogether. Yes. It's fucking cool when you spot them. You're like, that was it. Especially like you, it sounds like you knew it as it happened. Yeah, I did. And at that time, I was so lost as a human and like fucking mom. I don't want to disappoint my family. What am I doing with my life? Right. And um, And I found it. And it took me a few years to admit that that's what I had found. And once I could admit that that's what I found and how much it meant to me, I fucking ran with it. Sure. And hi, family. I love you. Nice. <laughs> so Northern California. Yes. Now, where from? Um, Sonoma County. Okay. Um, Cloverdale, California. I know Cloverdale. 707. Yeah. We talked uh, briefly before off podcast that we're basically from the same dig. So I guarantee you've run across a lot of the same jumpers that I worked with when I was at Skydance in Davis. Yeah. You know, I flew out there and jumped out there and, and Bay Area skydivers and Tsunami skydivers and all up and down the coast. It's a pretty good place to get started. Dude, NorCal is fucking cool as shit. Like I, I've been very fortunate with the places that I've gotten to work and gotten to grow and gotten to learn. And I'm very grateful for, especially Northern California, because that's where I'm from. And I started off at this super small drop zone, which to me is still my heart and soul. Mm. Fucking those are my brothers. Those are my homeboys. Those are my, uh, uh, uh. <laughs> and like, I knew that I couldn't work there. I knew I wanted to work in the sport right away. And because of what that drop zone was, like, I knew I couldn't work there at the time. So I moved to Skydance. And, you know, worked my way up there and got to work in, in that area, learn more about and see different operations, mm. which was really cool. Sorry, I'm starting to ramble. No, no, no. <laughs> That's exactly what this is about. When you went to uh, when you went to Skydance, was this before or after the sale? This was before. So you worked with Ray Farrell. I did. Briefly. <sighs> like, we weren't tight, but, like, I was there before. Hi, yeah. Ray. How are you? Ray Farrell. Fucking son of a bitch. I love that son of a bitch. <laughs> he is the, or actually he's turned into a big fucking sweetheart now. He has, yes. And I'll get random wonderful emails from him and send him back and forth. I was just checking on him in Florida after the, the uh, uh, hurricane, but he's too fuck. he's too big an asshole to get blown away by a hurricane. Um, I fell in love with that guy when I started working for him and I hated him at the same time because he's my kind of prick. Right. I could see that. Yeah. Yes, I could see that. Just, we're actually, he and I are quite similar. Like you either, we're either your flavor or we are not mm-hmm. your flavor. But, um, we had this mutual respect going and that turned into a friendship and I just, I love the guy. He gave me amazing opportunities. He's the first person that ever put me in a plane to fly. Fuck yeah. Um, he hired me when I was, uh, uh, spending summers in, or pardon me, winters in NorCal and summers in Cross Keys. And, and I mean, what a dude. And then retires, and now he's, he's living it up in fucking Florida, getting blown by hurricanes. Huh, right. <laughs> yeah, fucking right. <laughs> so you you saw the transition with the sale then? Yes, I did. I was there through that. Um, I had actually, like, so once I started jumping, I was at the drop zone full time. Really, from tandem one? Yes. 
I was fucking invested right away. Like it was it, for me. I'm I'm like this. I'm like it was a soul calling. It was a universal calling. Blah, I'm not blah, gonna blah. lie. There's a little. There's definitely a little San Francisco kind of <laughs> hippie vibe coming across. Yeah, <sighs> a little bit. Um, but I wanted to be there. And I will say this is gonna play into that a little bit more. Um, <laughs> before my first tandem, I was very lost. Sure. Like, what the fuck am I doing with my life? Like, I was supposed to be the like. This is gonna sound sorry, Giovanni and Kirsten to my siblings. Like, this is gonna sound fucked up, but like, oh, like I'm gonna be the one that's gonna do something after school. And they've done a lot of the great things. Right. But, um, I was supposed to be the successful child. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> But then I was missing something. Like, my soul needed more. Sure. It needed a passion because, like, growing up it was sports and activities. Right. And then I felt empty because I didn't know what my direction was. Sure. And then the universe presented itself to me. Nice. Um, but so I moved to Skydance because I knew I wanted to work in the sport. And I knew I wanted to become an instructor. And at my home drop zone, that wasn't going to be capable for me for a long time. And what knowing what I know now, longevity-wise, not for me. Sure. personally um but so that's how i got to skydance and yeah sorry i lost my train no 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 I, well I, it's getting started in the sport especially if you know right away like i knew right away as well i i was uh it took i want to say a month's worth of bad weather and aircraft maintenance problems i kept getting rescheduled so by the time i got to make my first jump it was almost a relief that i was finally getting to jump then they opened the door and i'm shit my pants and then i'm in free fall and i was in love and then I'm under canopy trying not to vomit. Um, and when I walked back into the hangar, it was literally a, here's my credit card charge until it says declined. Um, and I was in. I was 100%. Where was this at? Vegas. Ah, okay. Yeah. So I started in Vegas and was working in the sport very, very early on. But this was also at a different time in the sport when you could get away with it with a lot less jumps. I was a tunnel instructor in the, the Vegas tunnel as well. So I had skills that I normally wouldn't have, like... I was shooting tandem videos, but flying a PD-190. You know, so <laughs> different generation, yeah. completely different generation. But you go out and you do this first tandem and, all right, I'm, this is what I'm going to do. So you did you sign up for the course then and there? I did. So with it being a NorCal skydiving Yahoo man, um, it was not a fun jumper-friendly drop zone. Sure. Because limited aircraft space, right? Sure. Fucking x-ray, go home. Um but there weren't that many fun jumpers. And also with the landing area itself, it was very limited. And the instructors at that time for AFF were very, also very limited. Mm. And so I knew right away. Like, so this was the drop zone that they gave a locals discount. Cloverdale, if you live in town, you get, it was $30 off. So I think I paid $169 for my first tandem. Nice. And if you buy your second tandem that day, it was $99. And I showed up there. I didn't bring my wallet. Um, I brought $200 with me cash. Right. $169 for the tandem. I gave the $31 to my TI for a tip. I didn't even know that we needed to tip them, but I had such a good fucking time. I was like, here, take the rest of my money. Right, right. <laughs> um, and I saw the flyer on the pamphlet. Like, I had my certificate. And like, oh, you just went skydiving. Like, AFF, blah, 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 all that kind of stuff. And I read this, and I was like, oh, my God, yeah. And I'm there. 22 years old, like in my leggings and my white t-shirt, my hair point top, my converse on. I'm like, right. I walk into the trailer office and like homeboy, Jimmy Halliday, what up? And he's like sitting there on the desk like this, hand in his chin, like fool. 
And I walk in. I'm cute and I'm young at the time. Right. And, like, as soon as I run and he, like, perks up, he's like, oh, hey. <laughs> you want to jump again, huh? And I'm like, hi. So I live literally five minutes away. I just read the flyer. I know it says that I have to buy the second tandem before I leave the airport. I live five minutes away. I don't have enough money on me. I don't have my, cre- or I don't have my debit card. Right. Can I go home, get the cash, come back? I promise I'll come back and pay for it. But can I get the $99 tandem? He laughs at me. He's like, huh, huh, huh. Like, just go, come back. Right. And I remember as I'm driving home to go get the rest of my cash to pay for that, like, okay, Jocelyn, calm down. You can't use this tandem certificate in two days. Because if you do, you're going to want to use it. You're going to want to buy another one. Right. And then you're going to buy the second one after that. Right. So wait a week. I waited two days. Oh, no, sorry. I waited four days. That's actually pretty good. Yeah. All right. Four days. First off, I love the fact that you were having a a midlife crisis at 22. I don't know what I'm going to do or where I'm at. You're 22. You're not fucking supposed to know what you're going to do or who you're going to be or any of that shit. For fuck's sake. I'm 53. I've barely got a grip on it. Barely got a grip on it. So I love that. That's fucking Thank adorable. <laughs> I also love that you refer to yourself as I was so young back then. It wasn't I didn't that even mean it like that. I meant my mentality. <laughs> <laughs> my Lord. So, but it's awesome that you were, you were bit instantly and that you knew you wanted to get into it. Now, what did the family think of it? Because it sounds to me like you're, you're, the, you're the oldest. Yes. Uh, so you're the oldest. You're the one that's supposed to lead the way. That's and, what I thought. <laughs> and yeah, right. That's what you thought. So you're now going to go to mom and dad and, and the siblings and go, I want to jump out of airplanes. Uh, my mom was, my mom still is extremely supportive. Cool. As is my sister. Cool. Uh, parents are separated. Have been for a while. Dad has more recently come around to it. <laughs> And in the terms of, like, asking me questions like, oh, Jocelyn, like, what's the highest altitude you've jumped from? Right. Things like that. Right. Um, but I think it was always kind of known that, like, after a certain turning point in the family and, like, once I truly ostracized myself from the family um, for skydiving sure. for a few years, that I was not doing the conventional air quotes thing. Right. Um but everyone's super supportive because I'm happy. Sure. And also there was a time in the beginning like, well, what are you going to do with skydiving? Right. Not from my mom's side, but from the other side. Sure. Well, I'm like, guess what, bitches? Yeah. <laughs> you know what it seems to me is that most people have a problem with stuff like choosing a, a non-standard path like skydiving right up until uh, they either see that it's making you happy, not necessarily successful, but making you happy or that you can – support yourself and live off of it. Like that seems to be the, this is when families are okay with it. Like most of the people that I ask that question are like, they they were okay with it or they thought I was stupid. A couple are like, yeah, they didn't speak to me for two years. Um, My parents were fucking relieved. I was a stripper at the time. They're like, oh God, he's going to do something and keep his pants on? That's amazing. In San Francisco? Um, No, I started in Northern California doing telegrams and then Vegas. Okay. That's how, that's why I ended up in Vegas. Telegrams. Yeah, oh, shit. like bachelorette parties and shit. Yeah. You, were, you weren't even no, born. No, we don't need to that. You weren't even born when I was doing that. So, no. Yeah, not that. <laughs> that was my disposable cash to skydive. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, 
You moved to Skydance to do what? So you're jumping, but did you, how? what were you doing work-wise there? Um, I was still working in restaurants. Okay. I was in casual fine dining before that, serving right. and bartending. Um, and my friend Astrid Foster posted something on Facebook and it was like, hey, Skydivers, we live, you know, half a mile from the drop zone, a room for rent, $400 a month. Mm. And at the time, like I knew where, where my work was and I wasn't a packer yet. And I hopped on it because my soul told me to. I'm like, sure. <laughs> um, and I was the first person to message her. And I ended up living with the Fosters, Greg, Astrid, and Alani for almost four years. And that really, like, set the tone for where I am now. Sure, sure. Well, and and that's obviously that's how you had access to Skydance. Were you working restaurants or did you start working on the drop zone? Um, no. So I was going to Skydance to jump like every couple of weeks just because it was like a three hour drive at that time. And sure. my home drop zone was still close and money and finances and budgeting and sure. being irresponsible with money. Yeah. Um, but I was still making my way out there because I knew I wanted to be a part of bigger drop zones because I knew I wanted more in the sport. Right. And then once that happened, I made my way out there and then started working the sport, uh, started packing. Okay. Um, was a full-time that, packer for like two years. That's a sweaty fucking Quanta hut hanger yeah, to pack in. Yeah, it is frozen grapes. That was my treat. For, I put frozen gra- or put grapes in the freezer. Frozen grapes were treats wow. for everybody. Wow. The little pilot office. I used to sit and sweat at the end of the day in that little pilot office doing the paperwork at yeah. the end of the day. Oh, yeah. I know it well. I know it well. I used to drop a lot of tandem rigs there because I chucked a fuckload of drugs at that drop zone. It's a good spot. It is. It's a good spot. It's a really special spot, yeah. like it was for a long time. I know it's been like different types of special for different phases of people. Sure. Um, and I'm just grateful that I got to be a part of that phase. One uh, of the one of those phases. Well, sure, absolutely. Well, and and uh, there's there's always something unique about flying a canopy over a place with guns going off. Just and the you. hawk. <laughs> Did you have the hawks? Oh yes. Oh no, that that the, the hawk and or hawks that hate the parachutes that live at the gun club. But the bright colors, especially. Yeah, that attack the fucking canopies. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, that's the shit that you just don't learn in AFF. That you can't teach that stuff, like how no. to defend yourself against a, a fucking really pissed off hawk under canopy at short final, <laughs> at treetop level. It's not a good time to get attacked. These eucalyptus trees are here, yeah. and on that side, there are bullets down yeah, there. You don't want to land there because you're going to get shot, and when you're trying not to get shot, you're going to be potentially attacked by a hawk during breeding season. Enjoy your skydive. Have fun. Yeah. All this shit you just don't... YOLO. You only YOLO once. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I have I have amazing fond memories of that place. Yes, Skydance I do was too. fantastic and, and working in it. But the packing mat, probably not the easy definitely not the easiest job. I've packed a lot of rigs on that that canopy or on that cloth. But so how'd you step up from that to to jumping? Um so I I think it was always kind of known that I was going to get into the video and AFF rotation okay. because of the way that I was around the drop zone and the way that I paid attention to certain people and instruction and, like, asking questions. Sure. Um, but my numbers weren't there. My skill set wasn't there. My confidence wasn't there. Mm. And there came a point, like, Nick DeBonis, Nick DeBoner, one of my brothers, um... I'll never forget, there was, like, one time we went into Davis for dinner for pizza, 
And there's a bunch of us, and we're talking about stuff when everybody's like, oh, like, Skydance's newest videographer is this girl right here. And I was like, oh, <laughs> And it was still, like, a few months out, but, like, I had been working towards that. Like, I'm a slow learner. I'm a grandma learner. Like, okay. I'm confident in saying that because I have my own, like, who about things. But in terms of, like, getting into rotation and doing AFF, like ground for AFF specifically, um, very confident ground instructor. I started teaching a lot of FJCs, a lot of packing classes, a lot of water training classes, mm. um, pretty early on because I am a teaching person. And even like way before skydiving, I was like, "Oh, I'm going to be a teacher when I grow up." Sure. And I think that kind of like flowed itself easily into what I'm doing now, um, and that helped that. Sure. And then once I actually you know, started to have more confidence in the ratings and with the jump experience that I had, I made it happen more. Sure. <laughs> well, so your first, your first foray into jumping was video and then AFF. Well, I was doing, sorry, excuse me. I, I skipped, I guess, a part. I was doing a lot of coach jumps. So when I was at Skydance Skydiving, I earned my coach rating. Okay. Um, my second year in the sport at about 400 jumps with Keith Wyatt. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I bought him a few bottles for reserves. Thank you, Keith. Keith. <laughs> Keith. Mwah, big kiss. Um, and so even like my second year in the sport got that with Keith. And Nick Demonis was one of my evaluators at the time. And like I wasn't like a typical person at that drop zone at the time because I was still at my home drop zone. Sure. But I think that it was known that I like what my track was. Sure. And so I was cool. Did that with him. And then once I got my coach rating, that's when I had moved to Skydance or okay. like the area. Okay. And so I was like, I say this, the quote unquote on-site coach. So I was packing full time. Okay. And I was also the one, Jocelyn, can you teach this FGC? Can you teach this FGC? Can you teach this packing class? Right. Like, can you do this coach jump? Because I was there right. and because they knew I fucking wanted to do it. <laughs> right. Because I was trying to do more. Sure. Um, but, yeah, that's that, that was that lead way into no, that. No, no, that's so fun. It's, it's funny how small this fucking sport is. I mean, I've got great memories of Keith. Keith is fucking fantastic. I'd always go into the rigging loft, and Keith is, he's a very stoic guy. He really is. He's very quiet, and he's hes not super bubbly, but he's just a fucking great guy. And, and uh, um, I, I, the few times that you'd see Keith fired up, you knew something must really be going on. If Keith is fired up, holy shit, something's yeah. going on. But Keith was, when it came to the AFF instruction and all that shit, man, he was the guy. You know, I mean, if you... He, he, and the rigging loft, man, he ran a tight ship. Good stuff. Like, he put a lot of people through some proper courses. So, uh, Keith, I hope you're doing great out there. I haven't talked to him in years. In years. So, you do that, and then who did you do your AFF course with? Um, so, Matt Chang conducted the most of my course. Okay. Matt Chang, Matt Madden. And I wasn't ready for my course. Like, physically flying, I was not ready for it. Really? But, like, ground teaching, I was. I was very confident in the ground teaching. Um, but flying, I'm very reserved. Like like I said, I'm a grandma. Like, take my time. Sure. Um, and so I, I did my hot eval live jumps with Keith. Did you really? I did. Nice. And he was working for, I forget the, I forget the building that he was at, but... Um, 
for the state. Right. And um, he came out and, like, we reserved some time and, like, we did a couple jumps and there was one. And this was after the ownership change. So this was August, early August 2017 because okay. the ownership change happened 2016 to 2017. Sure. And we're out there and, like, we're landing and he sits up in his lawn chair in front of the hangar and I come up and I'm just like, oh, my, I'm like, Jocelyn, calm down. Calm down, everything's fine. <laughs> and he's like, you know what, Jocelyn? And he's like, I forget exactly how he said it, but I, I teared up because I'm an emotional, happy person. <laughs> right, right. Congratulations on becoming an AFF instructor. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, Keith. Oh. And he's so the opposite of that. And he's yeah. like, oh God, please don't be emotional. Yeah. So I can see why you say that, but I also think that like, him and I didn't spend a lot of time together, but he saw how important that time was to me and how hard oh, yeah. I worked for it. Oh, yeah. Oh, well, I mean, he is the epitome of the guy that has a huge passion for the sport, even though when you meet him and you spend any time with Keith, you're like, this guy's going to tell me to fuck off at any point. <laughs> like, I don't know if he likes me or if I'm annoying him or because he's very difficult to read yes. until you get to know him. And then you're like... Oh, and he'd do one of those laughs where he kind of laughs inwards and kind of sucks between his teeth a little bit. And you're like, I, okay, he likes me. I like this. Like, I'm in. Yes. And then you work really hard to get that same laugh again. And you're like, okay, cool. Keith and I are good. And, and uh, um, it, it, he worked, obviously, very closely with Ray. And, and Ray was quite the taskmaster. You know, I mean, Ray was a tough guy to work for. Um, he wanted shit the way he wanted it to be done. And uh, um, Keith was a constant buffer between um, Ray and between the rest of the staff. And people would bounce shit off of Keith all the time. And so you could tell Keith was like, I've heard all this shit so much. (laughs) But it was uh, the the great thing about Sky Sky Dance is it was, I don't know how it is now because I've not been. I've heard good things, but um, it was always very, uh, had a family feel to it. Always yeah. very much so, like Skydance, Skyfam. I know everywhere has their Sky family, but Skydance for sure. And even still, like the last time I went there was October of. <laughs> I, I don't know. I wasn't there last year. Yes, 21? October of last year. Um, this wine is not that strong. No, it's not. But I was thinking, I'm too excited right now. Okay, I'm fair sorry. Enough. Fair I'm enough. too excited. That's okay. And it was amazing. It was a different family, but it's still the same type of family vibe, just on a different level. Sure. Um, on a more regenerated level. Sure. Well, I know there was a big shift in in uh, a lot of the core group from the time that I was there. And then new generations, of course, always come in. And, and uh, a lot of the OGs started uh, uh, drifting off. And, and uh, did you know Deleuze? I do know Deles. Okay, so Deles. I don't. I don't know if he would remember me, but I do know Deles and him and Shannon and their bit and of their boys. Course. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, I know Deles from my cross keys days back in two thousand three, two thousand four, and they had made the trip out west, and so a lot of uh, obviously cross pollination from everywhere and stuff. But I know a lot of the new faces had started to come in about the time that I was transitioning out, because then I started flying more, because I flew the the Pack Seven Fifty for Skydance for a couple of years. I love that pack. 
pack, by the way. Oh, yeah. It was, well, I remember I saw, the first time I ever saw a picture of the Pack 750, it was in Parachutist. And it was the original pack, the blue, yellow, and red Oh, pack. yes, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. So I remember seeing that in Parachutist and thinking, that's the ugliest fucking thing I've ever seen. <laughs> And then I started flying it and went, this is the most beautiful aircraft that's ever been in the sky ever. So that was like my first turbine love, for sure, was that PAC 750. Uh, and it was Ray that put me in that. So, again, hats off to Ray, you big prick. <laughs> love you long time. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> so you, you get your AFF rating, you're doing that stuff. But Chuck and Drogues, I mean, it's it sounds horribly sexist because it is horribly sexist. You're a petite woman. I, when I started, the idea of a petite woman being a tandem instructor. Blasphemous. Never even, it wasn't even that it was blasphemous. It just was unthinkable. It was, it never even crossed my mind that someone your size would want to be a tandem instructor, let alone a woman. Because who wants to strap a bunch of fat, sweaty guys to them all day long? Not to mention the, the sexist part of it is the, how the hell are they going to be able to fly with a big guy strapped in front of them? And, of course, all these years later, you see the incredible talent from these teeny little petite female instructors. And you're like, oh, yeah, that was we were wrong about that one. But what made you decide to pull the trigger? Because it's not. Yeah. <laughs> it's a um, hard fucking job. For me, it was not um, a quick or easy decision to become a tandem instructor. Mm. To be honest, in the beginning, um, I knew I wanted to be an AFF instructor. Sure. And I'd always had, like, this, this in, like vision of, oh, like, someday I'll get to take my baby brother when he's old enough. Or my niece when she's old enough. Sure. And, you know, that type of thing. Yeah. And then for a few years, I put it off. And when I moved to different drop zones and, like, started working in Texas, or when I went to Hawaii... I saw different female TIs mm. and for the first time. Sure. Texas, more female TIs. And was like, oh, shit. Like, this is making it more realistic for me. Sure. And I played with the idea, but I still really loved AFF. I still really loved shooting video because I loved flying my own canopy. Sure. Um, and then I finally pulled the trigger about a year and a half ago. And... I was very, very nervous about it initially. Yeah. Um, but it's about technique, man. Sure. It's about technique. Sure. <laughs> well, it used to be the, the funny joke was um, you'd say if uh, normal skydiving uh, doesn't make you nervous or doesn't give you enough of a rush anymore, go be a tandem instructor because you'll get the shit scared out, scared out of you every fucking day. Um and I did not want to get my tandem rating. I was 100% against that. I was a camera flyer. Never, never wanted to do tandems because I'd seen thousands of them and I didn't like the way it looked. Um, but I was put in a position where I had no choice. And all these years later, if you ask me what my absolute favorite way to skydive is, it's fucking tandems. Really? Yeah. And it's because of the people, the interaction. And that's one thing that's so fucking special. It's like, so with my aspect and viewpoint from like teaching people, it's like, okay, yeah. And even from the videographer perspective, like, oh, I get to see you go through this. Sure. Because I remember what that was for me. Sure. And it's like so not like entertaining can be derogatory, but I mean it in a like a positive way. Yeah. It's so cool to it see is. people go through that. Of course. And like is. get to be a part of that. Of course. 
Well, because we know how much that means. For sure. Well, and we both had first jumps. Everybody that's listening had their first jump. Or if you haven't had your first jump, you're getting an insight into it. Uh, I, I vividly remember all the things that I went through on that first jump. Uh, and I, I've said it a million times on the podcast. As a tandem instructor, you learn to be a 30-second psychologist. Like, you have to learn within a couple of minutes of meeting someone exactly what it's going to take to make them feel comfortable enough to let you throw them the fuck out of an airplane. And that is not an easy thing to do. Um, So learning how to read people that quickly and know which one of the various personalities you have to grow as a tandem instructor that you need to be for that jump is a challenge. And that was what became so much fun. All right, this person's freaking the fuck out. How the fuck, how am I going to get this person out of the plane? This person is way too amped. How am I going to calm them down so they don't get us killed? And it just became this really fun thing. And it was much more the person, the personality working with them. Yeah. Because tandems as an act itself, roll out of the door, throw the drogue, wave at the camera, pull the handle, land the parachute. Right. There's not a lot to it when it's it comes the to that. that. It's the yeah. people. Um, for me, even more so than AFF, although taking a student from zero to skydiver as an AFF instructor is overall more fulfilling, I think. But still, so you pull the trigger and you decide to, to do your tandem course. How was the course? Um, the course was great. I was very... Res- I didn't want to do it. <laughs> I didn't. I fucking did not want to do it okay. oh. um, because I was like, I'm going to miss out on my own canopy. I'm going to have to fly a Sigma 370. <laughs> like, I don't want to do that. I don't get to do turns anymore. <laughs> right, right. Um, I was scared. Sure. I'm not going to lie. I was fucking scared, man. Yeah. Like, I've been around the sport long enough even prior to that. Like, like yeah, a lot of people can do tandems at fucking 500 skydives. Cool. Good for you. Great. Awesome. Yeah. What's your time spent in the sport? Um, yeah, it, it's scary. The prospect of, of going out and doing tandems is personally scary because you know it's risky. And it's even more so because you know it's also scary with an incredible added responsibility. Right? Yes. AFF. Scary. It is. But I'm going to live through every AFF jump I go through as an instructor. And I'm going to do my best for my student, but at the end of the day, I'm going to open my parachute and I'm going to land my canopy, but a tandem. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's extremely different. Yeah. And, like, I've had more friends die that were attached with tandems. Mm, wow. Than with AFF instructor. Like, I mean, you know what I'm trying to say right sure, now. Sure, yeah. yeah. Well, now, when you did the course, as a petite female... Did you find difficulty getting the, when you get to the point where you've got to get the experienced jumpers to go jump with you? Did you have problems? No. So my, um, I was, so let me, yeah, a little back bit. up, back up. Absolutely. Um, so Devry Jane, T.I. Jane, uh, my old roommate. T.I. Jane. That's good. I She's like that. amazing. You would love her. You guys would get along really well. You would just, yeah. <laughs> um, I went through my course with her. And Becca Farewell was, like, our mentor in our course and one of the evaluators. And it was insane. It was amazing. But so our examiners were James Perez and DJ Styles. And so my first few, like, people, people, 
that sounds stupid because I know better than that. But these guys know. DJ Styles, um, two hundred forty pounds, at the time, maybe a little over. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, I were... cried the first time I sat him on my. Not because I like I was scared of that. Sounds like you cry a lot. Though. Yeah, because I'm fucking emotional, bro. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I mean, if you're taking a two hundred and forty pound guy, though. At the end of the day, you are just the white part of the badminton birdie at that point, right? <laughs> I mean, he's fallen first. But because I was scared, I'm like, what if I kill my friend? Did and all you? I could think about, all I could think about was like one of my friends who had died doing a tandem on this. Sorry, that's a bad story. I'm not allowed to say I shouldn't say uh, that. No, yeah. People die in skydiving. Hey, for anybody listening that didn't realize fucking skydiving, you can actually die jumping out of airplanes. It's oh. okay. We've talked about some horrific shit on this okay. show. It's fine. It's fine. Okay. So <laughs> you're taking the big guy. He cry. You cry because he's sitting on Because you. I'm scared. <laughs> did, I'm did, like, I don't want to hurt my friend. Did, I don't want to kill people in the future. <laughs> did he have the chicken handles? Yes, he did. Oh, see, so there you go. Yeah, but still, that's my responsibility as the instructor. Yeah. Even if I'm not really the instructor yet because it's in my course. Sure. I'm like. But he's got the chicken handles. Yeah, but still, for me, mentally and my egotistically, unfortunately, well, that's my fucking job. Of course. Oh, absolutely. I mean, we've all got egos, and mm-hmm. skydivers more than most. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, but you made it through your course. I did. Obviously. Um, how was the drogless tandem? It was fast. Yeah, it's pretty speedy, <laughs> it right? It was fast. It's, it's an interesting experience, isn't it? Yeah. My, uh, my course was done by a guy with an, a Brit by the name of Simon Wade. Okay. And uh, um, when the canopy was open after the drugless tandem, I was clearly amped. I don't actually remember um, how I was behaving, but apparently I was like <sighs> really fucking pumped up. And he was laughing, going, I wish I could bottle up whatever's going through you right now and sell it because I'd make a fortune. Because I guess I was just amped out of my mind. It's freaky. It's freaky having another, It's because it's so intimate, right? Yeah. It's intimate, and you know that person's life is 100% in your hands. It's a very strange thing. Yes. Very strange thing. Especially for if you're an emotional person, that's got to be, I mean, that's got to make it a long work day for you sometimes. Um, Depends on, how, like, okay, so this is going to come to, like, a different point of perspective of life, and I'm sorry if I'm too rambly. No. Um. <laughs> But it also depends on, like, where I'm at. So it used to be, because it used to be very socially, like, de-energizing or, like, to take a lot of energy, rather. Sure. Um, But I'm far more comfortable with all of that now. Sure. And I've always worked in customer service-oriented industry, like, even before skydiving. And, like, I know that that's a part of my life, and I enjoy it. And the fact that, like, that customer service aspect of my life is about skydiving something that I'm so passionate about and mm. that, like, drives my force moving forward. Sure. It still invigorates me. Sure. And I genuinely love being a part of that process. Now, like, at first when I was doing tandems, honestly, I was fucking scared, man. Oh, yeah. Like, I'm not scared anymore. Like, I'm able, like, even when I was scared, I was still enjoying it because I get to help people get to something that's so special. Sure. And that people typically don't get to experience. Sure. Unless they choose to, unless, or, you know, all the other blah, blah, blah. Um, It's not as draining as it used to be. And it can be extremely draining. My first 
at least 100 tandems were terrifying. I hated it. I didn't want to do it. I did not want to be a tandem instructor. Didn't like it. The very first paying customer they ever gave me was a Japanese guy that didn't speak English. So, oh yeah. So I couldn't even <laughs> tell him all the ways to not get us killed. Like I was dramatically more scared than my tandem student, my first time tandem student. And uh, um, I've, I, I wrote the story in the magazine and actually read it in the book. Was a, The turning point was this absolute asshole. Uh, that came out to do a tandem for a, a gift of a 40th birthday tandem uh, that his wife and his buddies had gotten him. And he showed up in a no fear t-shirt and you know, <laughs> see, just that tells you the type of guy it was. He was fucking that guy. And, you know, the one that's like, oh, I wish I didn't have to be strapped to a guy. Did you ever see this. the no fear um, caffeine drink? No. That was a thing. Oh, Jesus. I'm glad I missed anyway, that. Anyway, sorry, keep going. Yeah, no, I'm glad I missed that. But this was that guy, right, uh, in front of his wife and his buddies. But, of course, as soon as we're on board the plane, he's just terrified. He's melting, and he's slowly just melting down. And so, again, I'm playing psychologist, even at 100 jumps, trying to figure out, all right, how am I going to get this guy out of the plane? And I managed to get him out of the plane, and we make the skydive, and he's fucking thrilled when the parachute opens up. Like, he literally just had the time of his life. And we land, and I, I even at 100 jumps, I, I was finally getting decent under canopy with the tandems, and I put him down close to his wife and friends and unhooked him and figured he would do what they always do, run over to his wife, give her a kiss, give high fives to the buddies. And he turned around instead and jumped on top of me, legs around my waist, arms around my fucking neck, and kissed me on the mouth as I fell to the ground. And... Of course, at first, I'm like, dude, get the fuck off, whatever. And then he runs over to his buddies, and then it dawned on me, holy shit, this guy who 25 minutes ago was this huge, blustering, macho fucking prick just kissed another man that he doesn't know in front of his wife and friends because he forgot he was supposed to be that prick he showed up as. And that was when I loved becoming a tandem. That's when tandems were like, oh, my God, I need more of that. That was the most amazing thing I've ever done. Because that guy will never remember my name. He'll never remember anything about me, but he'll remember that fucking jump for the rest of his life. And I'm never going to forget, his name was Randy, and he was a dick. And I love him <laughs> for it. He was, he was such a prick, but in the best possible way. And I'd like yeah. to think that even for just that few moments, I got him to forget all about the bullshit just for that long. And then all these years later, I've seen it. I'm sure you have now, too. How many times have you seen people, be, people become themselves even for just a couple minutes? Living in the moment for the first time yeah. in their lives. And I think that's truly one of my favorite things is seeing, like, people put up a front initially. <laughs> Always. Right? Oh, yeah. And then they get stripped down and they're back on the ground. Oh, yeah. And it's like. Oh, you put I mean, you put the camera in front of their face and they're trying to be their Instagram profile because we're a social media influence right now. Like, I, I mean, like the world, whatever, sure. blah, blah, blah. It's another thing. Well, I'll tell you what, though. That's where I think I'm actually lucky in that I got started in the sport in a time when there was social media was fucking MySpace. Right. This is a long time ago. The cameras were really big and they had these things called tapes that fucking went around in circles. There were no SD cards and all that <laughs> shit. Fuck all you GoPro people. Assholes. You're all so lucky. <laughs> 
So, but I think I'm very lucky in that we weren't driven by putting up as much of a facade because there was no online. Because it took presence. more work. <laughs> well, it was yeah, it, because it was all in person, right? Yeah. It wasn't yes. just a click a cool picture. I only have to smile long enough to make myself look like a badass in this photo. Um, so now people are so tied into living that version of themselves that even more so now when they get yanked out of who they're pretending to be, it's got to be this dramatic thing to see. It has to be. And I don't get to see it sitting up front anymore, which is a bit of a bummer. But no, not really. I was going to say, is it? No, not really. <laughs> I've done enough fucking tandems. It's fine. <laughs> is it? <laughs> it's done enough tandems. So... You started doing tandems in Davis? Yes. Oh, no. I started doing tandems in Southern California, Skydive Paris. Paris. Mm-hmm. You were jumping in Paris. I was in Skydive Paris for the, uh, for two years before I came here. Paris. Uh, Paris was my first ever turban drop song. Ah. Yeah, you see that little black metal hanging right next to you? Este. Yeah. Si. Yes, yes, yes. Paris Valley. Yeah, that's the one. That's it. Good stuff. That's the one. So, I mean, you've really made the most out of your career because you said eight years. Um, yeah, a little over eight years. Eight years. And how many different drop zones? How many different? I mean, you've been going. I have. Um, I feel like I could have done a lot more, of course. Oh. Um, but I'm also very grateful for what I have done. Because yeah, um, you're so fucking old. I forgot. <laughs> um, as my mother and sister would say, a woman of my age. Uh, for Christ's sake. <laughs> um, so, yeah, NorCal Skydiving, 182 drop zone, moved to Skydance. Skydiving was there for a few years and, like, packed, manifest, blah, blah, blah. Other stuff got my first couple ratings there. Started getting, doing tandems there. Um, I did some cover work at um, Pacific Skydiving on Oahu. Okay. For a little bit. And then from there, I went to Spaceland Dallas. I was there for about two years. From there, I went to Skydive Paris for two years, and now I'm at Skydive Dubai. Skydive Dubai. So what did the family think when you said, all right, I'm not only going to go to uh, yet another drop zone to continue jumping out of airplanes, but I'm going to move halfway across the planet to the Middle East? Um, my mother was very supportive. <laughs> very supportive. So mom's cool. Mom is super cool. Like, skydiving has obviously been my thing for almost a decade now. Sure. And that's taken up my life, and I ostracized myself from my family for that for a bit. Um, Initially, my dad was, and we aren't as close in communication in regards to skydiving. Mm. And so initially, it was kind of like, oh, well, the Middle East. (laughs) It's As weird. a typical American would. No offense. No sure. offense. No, no, offense. no, no, no. Offend. It's um, fine. But then he came to in conversation a little bit more and was more receptive sure. and more understanding. Sure. So my opinion with skydivers has always been it is a very uh, uh, multicultural sport. Yes. The most that I've ever been involved in. Um, and if you were to remain a skydiver at uh, one or two drop zones anywhere in the United States, you are still going to meet people from all around the world. Uh, and by any drop zone, I mean any mid-sized drop zone. If there's a turban, you're going to meet people from all around the world. Yeah. Um, but because of that, you get to meet all these different cultures and realize all these different people are involved in the same thing that you are. And so for us as skydivers... 
moving to a different country to do what we already do isn't all that different than just moving to a different job zone, right? Right. Um, but to the typical American who doesn't travel or doesn't do too much of that, saying that you're moving to the Middle East as an American, people are like, you're doing what? Holy shit, how can you possibly think? And then they come or visit or they see your pictures and all the cool stuff that you're doing and go, well, wait, that's not what I expected. Exactly. Because open your mind. Yes, <laughs> yes, absolutely. And, uh, I mean, you've come to a place that's got a hell of a crew. Yeah, well. I've been very fortunate coming here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> In yeah. a lot of ways. How did you, who did you know? Um, so Cody McMains actually was the one who reached out to me and recommended me to apply to come out for the job here. Mr. McMains has been on the podcast himself. Yes. 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 And um, I had worked with Brandon in the past. Cool. Brandon, yeah. And um, Deb and I had worked at a couple of the same spots. And we had met a couple of times, but never had actually worked together. Mm. It's amazing how small it is, though, right? It really is. Yeah. And, like, I'd always known that working back at home in the U.S. Um, but the more that you travel, the smaller it gets. Yeah. And that's true. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, the, and the coolest thing, too, in regard to... Becoming a professional skydiver, and you've been when you've been at any length of time, a it's one degree of separation. You you know somebody that knows everybody else. Period. Uh, two, there's a sofa everywhere in the world waiting. For Which you. is so cool. <laughs> Absolutely. And uh, as I was just talking to Jamie uh, uh, about on the previous podcast. As long as you don't burn any bridges, there's a job everywhere in the world yes. for you. Um, because now you've got all the ratings, tandem, AFF, camera, coach, anywhere you want to go, eventually you're going to get a job. That's pretty fucking cool feeling, right? Yeah. I try to not like, yes, I see what you're saying. Um, that's in eight years. That's which don't get me wrong. Eight years is a long time invested in the sport, but it's also not, I mean, that's to, to be at the point where you're. You're able to get a gig working at one of the busiest drop zones in the world. I never thought that I would. I never even dreamed that I could have worked where I'm working now, to is be there, honest. Is there anybody you want to say to? Dad, hi. Oh, okay. We won't, we won't dig that personally into it. He won't listen to this anyways. It's fine. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. So dad's not quite as supportive. All right. Um, no, but honestly, like, it's fucking weird, man. Like. <laughs> I agree. <Sorry. laughs> no, no, no. I, on this podcast, you can say whatever okay. you want. It's fine. It is weird. It's so silly because, like, I remember when, and I, I remember when, but like, I remember when I first started jumping in. Like, I fucking saw Cornelia on Instagram, and fucking saw Olga on Instagram, and like, I'm following these bitches, and I'm like, oh my god, I can't imagine if I ever get to fun jump at Skydive Dubai. Yeah. And the fact that I get to fucking work here yeah, and work alongside these people, yeah, the politics and business stuff aside, like, for me, it's, like, that dream of it still. Oh, of course. And, like, yeah, I understand that stuff. I'm, like, I'm not fucking retarded. Sorry, that was rude. But. No. Well, I mean, at the core of everything, at the end of the day, it's skydiving with skydivers, right? I mean, skydiving around the world is becoming more corporate than it ever has been. Yes. It's big business. Everywhere. And it, it, it for the, the small mom and pop drop zones, it's month by month, are we going to fucking stay afloat type of stuff? Or 
it goes corporate uh, because it's big business. That's just the way it is. But skydivers are still skydivers. That's the best part about it. The community is the same. The mechanism that allows us to do what we do is changing, uh, but you're never going to change skydivers. I think that's one thing that's been really cool for me and that I'm very fortunate about is I've gotten to jump through and work through a lot of like mom to pop to small to big to medium to big size drop zones. So I could see how they operate and I've gotten to work with most of them in different capacities in different states at the drop zone. And so I can try to understand how they actually work through. Sure. Sure. Well, and there's different models of success, obviously, to different levels. Skydive Dubai is a whole different level. I mean, and rightfully so. I mean, it's it's run by a bunch of badasses. I mean, some of the best of the best of the best. It's fucking insane. (laughs) And I've talked about this a number of times. Here, you can find yourself, and I always wonder from a tandem student's perspective, that if they knew... They were strapped to Cornelia to do their first hand. They have no freaking clue. <laughs> or, I mean, it just it blows my mind that they have no clue that they're going to go make a tandem skydive with one of the best in her, you know, in her side of skydiving on the planet, arguably the best. Um, or they're having video shot uh, by Nick who is the guy that they've seen a million times on YouTube carving down mountains, but they don't know who he is, but he's shooting their video. And it blows me away. I'm like, you guys have no fucking clue how cool it is that you're jumping with the person you're jumping with. And I would never want to tell them because that's, that makes it cooler for us. Right. You don't know. It's like, I have a secret. Yeah. (laughs) That's my badass you're jumping with. (laughs) So what's the what's the long term goal? What do you want to be when you grow up? Uh, if I grow up, um, if I grow up, I want to continue to skydive. I want to c- keep skydiving. Um, Compete. Yes, eventually. What do you think? Um, canopy piloting and freestyle freefall. All right. All right. Yeah. CP. See, this is this is another one where the the um, the twenty seven years in the sports sexist side of me jumps into my head and goes. Okay. It's a very long way away for me because I still have I'm a very slow mind in terms of this. It just yeah, but it just it still snaps into my head. I, I still think of all watching all my male friends slamming into the pond and all this, and it, then of course you have to come to the realization that no. Cornelia's like an incredible badass. And so when I have a petite, younger woman telling me CP is her direction to go, my old man brain is like, what? But mama, mama, mama. Exactly. <laughs> but then the guy that's got all the experience goes, she's probably going to fucking beat them all, which is so cool. Because this is a sport where sex does not matter. No, it fucking doesn't. Not even a little bit. It doesn't. Oh, you can cuss all you want. I have been. You can fucking cuss all you want. <laughs> I'm the fucking pilot. That's how it... This He's is, the fucking pilot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Trust Sorry. me. It's Sorry. okay. It's okay. So competing CP in freestyle, um, long-term instructing. Um, do you see skydiving as something that you can do till retirement? No. I do not. Tough on the body, yeah? Yes. And with my frame, I'm very like mindful of that. Mm. 
Um, so what I had been doing the last couple of years was like, okay, until you turn this age, <laughs> rethink. Right. Until you turn this age, rethink. Because I have like mediocre other options. Um, but I'm, I've also become very accustomed to my more freestyle lifestyle. Sure. Yeah. Um, I don't think that I could ever work in an office. No. I mean, I could professionally, but do I want to? No. Yeah. Couldn't, couldn't, should, or would is a different thing. Um, I like, you know, I like more artistic and creative and quote unquote off brand things, which sounds retarded. No, no. Makes Um, sense. But I want to do other things for myself and for other people and like things that bring a different type of joy than more constrictive and like restraint. Sure. Um, But you see yourself always and forever as a skydiver, I'm sure. Yeah, that's that's kind of me too. I mean, uh, as you know, I just retired from flying. Um, I'm I may go back to flying here and there. Uh, uh, hopefully, I get to go back to jumping after recovering from the surgeries that I've had. Even if I never get to jump in again, I'm a skydiver for life. Like at our level, once you get to this point, you're a jumper forever. We're yeah. so ingrained you're in stuck. the stuck. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> we're so ingrained in the community. It's not even that my identity is. A skydiver, my entire being is in all of that. So you yeah. always be that. Uh, but it's good also that you don't see yourself necessarily tied to that as a form of income forever. Because, fuck, it's hard. It's hard. It's hard on the body. <laughs> it's hard on the body, isn't it? It is. And it's like, it's, I feel like it's kind of also disrespectful to the sport to rely on it too much. <laughs> I don't know about that. Okay, sorry. That's just me. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I I'm did milk the sport for all I could possibly get out of it. Like, I'll take what I can get, but also I don't want to, like, take too much from it because I know that I've also gotten a lot from it that maybe sure. I didn't deserve. Well, no, no, I don't deserve, I don't think. you. If you've gotten to where you're at, you've earned it in one way or another. And if you're able Not to... Not that way. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good thing this isn't on video. And no, not but that truly. way. But truly. Truly not that way. Now who's the sexist pig? I was, I was That was against my own. No, I wasn't even making that inference. You were. I know, but I'm saying that was against my own self. See, guys, it goes both ways. It's me too, both directions. I feel slightly. Hashtag. Yeah. Is that, yeah, all right. We'll start a new hashtag. <laughs> so... Give me advice. This is specific advice to um, young ladies like yourself that are thinking about or have found themselves in the sport and they're wondering if they can make it, if they can push through, if they can survive in skydiving. What advice do you have? My biggest piece of advice would be trust yourself and do not rely. I'm sorry, no offense. But Fuck offense. Offend people. It's fine. Don't fucking rely on a dude, bro. Like, if you're joining skydiving for yourself, believe in yourself. If you're joining for a dude, that's on you. <laughs> True. I got you. A hundred percent. Right? Yeah. Like, it's empowering and if that's what you're looking for, then that's one thing. But if you're doing it because it's cool... That's on your own. Sure. Yeah, no, I agree. That's very cool. No, no, no. That makes complete sense. So uh, 
kind of in that same vein, coming up your generation of skydiving, and I consider you the next generation behind me. Um, mine was definitely a little bit more sexist. Yours is quite a, a different story, especially at an operation like Skydive Dubai is as close to 50-50 men and women instructors as I've ever seen. Um, it, it, yeah, there's, uh, I don't know how many female tandem instructors we have, but a, a large number, um, which is fantastic. As that continues on, obviously, it keeps improving in that direction. So anybody that gets into skydiving to try and look cool or impress somebody else, male or female, fuck off. It's, you did it to yourself. Uh, if you're in skydiving for you, go for it. 100%. Awesome. Hey, cheers. How quickly an hour flies by. Salute. Salute. Thank you, La Dean. Spell your last name. V-I-L-L-A. V-I-C-E-N-C-I-O. You know I'm going to have to have you text that to me mm -hmm. when I write up everything on the episode because I will. It's okay. My, um, I write really well as well. Beautiful. Beautiful. Well, that, this seriously, it's, it's always entertaining to talk to people that have different perspectives, especially entertaining to talk to somebody from my home state and my, the best part of the state, NorCal. Northern California. fuck L.A. No, I'm serious. I'm not kidding. I'm Sorry, SoCal, but it sucks to suck. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, see, there you go. It's that NorCal, so you'd have to be there. Anyway, super entertaining, especially the fact that you were there both pre and post Ray in Skydance. It's good stuff. So thank you so much for the time. Thank you, Dean. Blue skies? Oh. And there you have it. Another episode of Lunatic Fringe Into the Void brought to you as always by, and say it with me, fuck yeah, NZ Aerosports. Head to nzaerosports.com. By Pussfoot. That's right, head to Pussfoot.com, the Extreme Sports Collective, and check out everything they've got to offer. By SummitParachuteSystems.com, Jarrett Martin and the family cranking out amazing pilot rigs, as well as incredible rigging courses. And now joining the Lunatic team, it's the one and only Tony Suits. You know him, you love him. Head to TonySuit.com, check out all the amazing standards, as well as the new incredible signature line they've got going on. And as for us, the Lunatic Fringe is now on YouTube. That's right, you're going to have the chance to put faces to the audio by heading to YouTube.com and looking up the Lunatic Fringe Podcast. It's easy. Hit the like button, hit the subscribe button, check out all the amazing videos from the previous guests that we've had, as well as new and upcoming interviews on video. As always, I am the fucking pilot. Head to thefuckingpilot.net or theprincesspilot.com. Thanks for joining. We'll see you next time around.